welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome back to another episode of Rugged Theology. I am your host, as always, the bald and beautiful Adam Diamond. Uh, welcome to another Not episode. supposed to lie in a podcast. Not supposed to lie at all. He though. really is bold. Yeah, yeah I got that part right. It's like a half truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my! So good. Today, off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Today I have David Drover and Stephen Dahl with me, but we also have a guest. And David, why don't let you introduce this guest for us, right? Sure. So this you, is some guy that we found on the internet. No, I'm just kidding. Some random troll. <laughs> <laughs> no. You found um, your brother on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Steve Steve introduced, yeah, so that's it. Um, very excited to have my brother on the podcast with us, Nathan Drover, today. He's, uh, I mean, I'm sure he'll speak a little bit about himself and that kind of a thing, but um, he's a pastor over in New Brunswick um, in Perth and over. So we're excited to have you here, man, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I guess if it's okay, Adam, I'll, I'll just jump in and introduce myself here. Give her. So, uh, well, as Adam said and as david said my name is nathan drover i'm david's brother so i grew up in st john's uh, nl very brief bio of me i guess i uh, did a bachelor's of science degree from memorial university so you guys are all familiar with memorial there uh, i did a, my master of divinity at regent college uh, graduated with a couple of awards uh, there and uh, I'm married to uh, Sabrina my wife we have no kids but I've got two cats that I sometimes think I love too much like children and uh, <laughs> I'm currently a pastor at a rural church in New Brunswick like David said so that's that's kind of my my two one paragraph intro there my name's wife is Sabrina too yeah, I think I've, I think I've heard that. Yeah, I was hoping he'd be a little more shocked at that. Kind of disappointed. Good, he probably knows a lot more about us than. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> All right, welcome, Nathan. I'm really glad you could join us, man. Um, we we're going to talk to on this podcast for anyone listening um, about unity and how we can be in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we may disagree on some things. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit after. Uh, but I, when I sent these questions out, I don't mind being transparent about this, but Nathan had a great idea about just introducing the topic of unity first and, you know, just having a bit of discussion about that. Um, so guys, looking at Ephesians 4 for all of us, why should we try and get along with others with whom we disagree? And you can tell the question is written by Nathan because it says whom, and I probably wouldn't have put that in there. <laughs> You mean we, we not smart grammar? That. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, <laughs> Steve might have said that, but I'll, uh, I'll go all you, day on you. <laughs> well, why don't Why don't I jump in here since I was the one who like chose to ask this question? Fantastic the, idea. the The reason that I did was because we live in a world where there are two extremes. One extreme tends towards unity, just accept everyone, mm -hmm. and one extreme tends towards drawing lines and boundaries and being divisive and and you know for for a concern of truth and and correct yep, yep. values and things like that and so i thought it might be helpful to emphasize why we value unity so uh, 
in the New Testament, here's how I would state it. Living out Christian unity is an outworking of our Christian calling. So in Ephesians 4, as, as you mentioned, Adam, uh, Paul writes, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then skipping down to verse 3, he says, laboring or eagerly pursuing to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so the basic idea here is that, as I see it, if we're Christian, we're unified with one another by the spirit. Amen. That's just who we are. Yep. And so living in unity with one another is just an outworking of that theological reality. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why I think this is so it's crucial. Yeah, I always like the word in there. It says maintain instead of you know create or uh, work on, but do make every effort to eagerly maintain mm-hmm. the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Yeah, and a, a word that often jumps out to me when I read this text over and over again is that word eager. What what did you say? The other you, you said eager or something else? Did you, Nathan, when you were reading it out, or no? So. Um... So spudazo is the Greek word that that is, is translated here as like be eager, right? And mm. it, it has this sense of like hasten or be diligent or right. uh you know, and so yeah, however yeah. however you want to translate that, but it, it's like very much a sense of like do this like with yeah. uh, intensity. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think yeah. that sometimes what often jumps out to me is that is that word and I mean, in the ESV, it's, it, it is translated as eager because, like, it's not just meant to be something that we kind of do passively or just kind of, oh, yeah, we're all united. But but when I think about eagerly trying to maintain something, it's active. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm, I'm pursuing that. Like, I'm, I'm seeking it out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to try. I'm intensely trying to yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, get this, right? That's kind of fitting, too, with the way that Paul talks about unity in other parts of Scripture. I mean, when he's even talking about uh, living in harmony with one another and just kind of the throwaway part in Romans 12, where he just says, you know, uh, be, be, live in harmony with one another. And then a few verses later, he's going to say, uh, insofar as it's up to you, live at peace with all people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, e- in each case, you're talking about uh, an active working to make sure that this is the way it goes. You're not supposed to be passive and just pretend that this is something that naturally happens. It would be nice if it did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the fact is, if we were, you know, fully sanctified, I'm imagining that it would be easier to live at peace with one another. But, you know, we're not. And so we have work to do to, you know, as as I guess we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, it, it is interesting that it says be eager to maintain, like we said, like, you know, this is something we should care about. Like you said, Nathan, to be very passionate about, to, you know, put some, like, gusto into, right? Like, this is a really important thing, but yet we don't hear too much about it. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because we, we and culturally, we actually put more eagerness into separation, it seems. As mm-hmm. uh, Nathan set up, the, set up the question, he was talking about the two extremes of talking about divide, uh, barrier creation or just com- apparently ignoring things. And in both cases, you can't really be, you can't be eager to maintain peace that way. Uh, instead, mm-hmm. we tend to be more eager to make sure that we set up our camps really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I mean, in, even in Atlantic Canada and Newfoundland, like, we've done that very well, right? This is like the Pentecostal side of town, or this is like the Baptist area. This is like, you know, we've drawn them these 
and these lines in the sand where it's like, don't come into my neighborhood almost, very territorial, right? Mm. Well, Newfoundland has history of like uh, the fray in uh, Harbor Grace where they actually had violence over people who, the mm. Protestants walking into Catholic territory. How dare you? Which uh, seems actually like the complete opposite of what you see in verse two. Um, you know, with all humility, with gentleness, patience, bearing yeah. with one another in love, right? So it's, yeah. It's a challenging, challenging text for sure for the church and for yeah. all of us, I think. And of course, the difficulty is going to be, uh, it's really easy to talk about this in abstractions about, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it's harder when you're actually dealing with real stuff, because again, we tend to be very passionate about the things we believe, and the things that we believe then are easier to remain eager about. It's easy for me to be eager about the way I read scripture or eager about the way I think that I need, about the way I want to live, but it's harder to be eager about living at peace with people who disagree with me. (laughs) Yeah, being eager about something that's going to cost you something, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder, I wonder if part of that, Steve, I don't know what you guys think of this, but has to do with the fact that we've lost a sense of the beauty of what it means to be reconciled and yeah. one in Christ. Like there is, there is a, there's a beauty to that vision. And if I, I think if we lose that beauty, then it's easy to not be too excited about unity. But if we have a sense of this, like Ephesians one, for example, all things being united together and finding their place in relation to Christ. Right. If we see that as as this overarching mission of what Jesus is doing in the world and the beauty of that, then then it kind of generates this eagerness and desire in us, I think, well, the more we reflect on that. Well, that's Absolutely. actually kind of a, a damning thing to be able to say, though, because if that's true, we're saying then that we haven't really seen Christ as well as we possibly could have. I mean, it's part of this beauty of Christ that we are reconciled together. Being mm-hmm. in Christ yeah. is one of the, that's one of the things that's pretty central to the gospel message that we, in our reconciliation, we are grafted together into one vine in Jesus Christ. And if that's not something that we see as beautiful, well, we've got a false God. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, guys. Uh, so like very quickly, like, you know, we are called to be in unity in each other. There's importance to this. We should be eager to do this, to maintain it. But how do we do that? I know, like, Paul gives some things here that we can use there, but how do we practically make sure that we can, you know, maintain unity between each other when we disagree on certain things? You know, for instance, you know, like, you know, we would be complementarian and Nathan would be egalitarian. And some people would say, like, you know, you just you just can't get along with those people. I mean, I came from egalitarian back, background, but, you know, some people would draw a line there. So how do we maintain unity there when we disagree? Well, at least it's not like trying to get Star Wars and Star Trek fans working. You know? Oh, don't, don't get me started. Don't, like, I, I can't deal with Trekkies. Anyway. So if I had... Yeah, yeah, Nathan. If I had... You know, there are a lot of things we could say practically, um, and we can. uh, I'll I'll come back to that egalitarian complementarian thing later. But for for now, one of the things I would say is it's important to realize how much we all have in common. Mm -hmm. So we see this in Ephesians four, right? We see that we've all been given one spirit. Uh, We share the same hope 
for a resurrection and the kingdom of God. We all mm-hmm. serve the same Lord, express the same faith, have yep. the same Father. There's one church, one baptism. So, like, we have all of that in common. And, like, that's the core stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, I, yeah. So I was just going to add to that, like, we, we have as common the eternal, all-loving ground of reality itself. But other than that, we have we don't have a lot of unity. Like, Not a thing. No, no, no. <laughs> like we we are in Christ. That's that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we, and you kind of realizing that we bring nothing to the table, right? It's not like we're going to the table and like, no, like I've uh, this is what I bought. This is what I get credit for. But it's you know, like you said, Nathan, it's it's one body, one spirit, one God, right? Um, and not one of us can claim ownership of anything there. But I think you're actually pointing to a very real, uh, real necessary thing there too, as well. Like, as long as we are focusing on Christ, mm-hmm. it's a little easier to maintain at least what unity we can in Christ. It's much harder when we're looking at how awesome we are or how awesome my opinion happens to be. I mean, well, yeah, because if I if I see all of you guys and my primary way of understanding who you are is complementarian mm-hmm. and i'm not that then that puts like a strong defining barrier but if my primary ways that i think about you and, and myself are that we all we have all of these things together in, in common and that's that's going to help us work out some of the differences hopefully that we mm-hmm. have and and those differences are significant like i'm not trying to minimize those mm-hmm. but i'm just trying to say like we at the end of the day we do have more important things in common than we yeah. do that separate us right yeah i mean i mean at the end of the day because i mean i i love what you said because you're you're essentially I, I unpacking a little bit of our identity right like ultimately what's more important than us being you know just because we've used this example complementarian or egalitarian what's arguably more important is that you know we're both children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that's how we should see one another as family, um, as believers. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I think, you know, it's funny because, Nathan, we were chatting a little bit and we chatted on a previous podcast about Galatians 3.28. And I think in some ways that's kind of the the beauty of that of, of, of that passage, right, as it as it walks out and then and the application and seeing um you know, like there's neither slave nor free, like that we are all united in Christ and we can actually celebrate our differences because of that and things like that. So, um, But uh, of course, yeah. uh, underscoring too, the fact that this is not uh, a highly romantic thing. Sometimes I worry that our society has too many single kids because I, I remember me being a, my, my brothers and my sister. Uh, we love each other. We are unified. We have the same parents, uh, but when we fight, we really fight. Like, mm. and we're mm-hmm. we're able to have differences of opinion and things, and we are able to actually have robust discussions about things. And you know, there are certain things that I can work with them on, and certain things that I can't work with them on. But we are still family. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one thing I learned the hard way is that I really can't live with my twin brother. <laughs> Like, it's weird, because you think that would be the person you would have the most in common with. I mean, there's things in you, like, dude, if you hooked us up to, like, a three-legged race, we will be anyone. 
Because you have the same flipping DNA. We get in sync so fast, but to live together, holy jumpings. Like, we we just got on each other's nerves. We couldn't see eye to eye at all. And But it didn't mean that we weren't, again, united. We just had some differences there that we had to figure out how to, how to work with, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> you're you're ab- absolutely right, Steve. Just just because we you know we can argue, we can disagree, um, we can you know have be upset sometimes with each other, but we still come to unity and we put you know again we think of the other as better or above ourselves. Right. Right. It's not all about me. I, I remember the Bible what? actually saying something like that: "Count others as more significant than you count yourself." Yeah, it's um, in there somewhere, like First Adam or no. I'm pretty sure that's not actually <laughs> yeah. my book of the Bible. Um. I think humility, humility and charity play a big part in this. Yeah. Uh, attending Regent College, everyone there is super smart, but almost everyone there disagreed with one another on something or another. And it was one of those situations where if you disagreed with someone, you were going to get a response as to why it's not as if someone you know there were no responses and they were intelligent you might still disagree but at the end of the day there's there's this humility of being willing to ask questions try to understand the other person um Mm -hmm. assume that they're coming from a place of relatively good motives unless you have a reason to suspect otherwise, you know, like all of those just charitable, humble approaches, right, um, are are super important for dialogue, too. Well, and I I remember I had a discussion this morning as I came in with some of the other staff at the uh, in the front desk area, and like, talking about how we have a society right now where we are so absolutely isolated from one another, we tend to spend our time with people who agree more and more and more with everything that we say, to the point that we begin to think that, I don't know, the, the, the really dumb arguments that we have for our position are somehow super powerful because we've never heard anybody yeah. respond to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but I think one of, one of, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one of my favorite uh, proverbs for this is uh, it's Proverbs eighteen seventeen. The one who states their case first seems right until the other comes and examines them, right? Like it's, yeah. it's you know, yeah. No, I I think that's a really good point. I just want to emphasize it too. Like just the like the humility and and being able to listen to somebody because I think in a world too where we're constantly being labeled as stuff and and things can be overgeneralized and things like that. We we often, you know, um when we're chatting with people assume what they believe or assume what they think or, or why they think it. And, and then we, we just forget about that whole stage of listening to them. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think we need to be really careful not to do that and to actually listen with humbleness. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, like, like this is one thing I love about chatting with you, Nathan, because I mean, obviously where he's my brother, we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff, but when we chat about, and, and often just for context, like I'll, text Nathan or call him when I'm preaching or something like that, looking at a sermon um, or trying to figure out a text or a Bible study or whatever. And what one thing that I love about these conversations is, is it's less about, you know, whether or not I'm right in this or he's right in this, but more about like, okay, what does the word of God actually say? And even though we might come to different conclusions about that, we know that we're each going to be trying to be faithful to the text, that we're going to try and walk through it with proper, you know, exegetical hermeneutical principles 
and things like that. And and it's it's just a joy to be able to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. And then even though we might not arrive at the same conclusion, know that we, you know, that we are trying to be biblically faithful. Um, and again, at the end of the day, what's mainly important is that, you know, we're both brothers, not like just biologically, but like in Christ, in Christ you know, yep. because we have the main things right, we can we can work through the secondary and third stuff. Well, and, um, and, and because, to be honest, both of you have a unified goal in mind. You both want to be faithful to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not to prove each other wrong. Right. Right. I mean, well, sometimes maybe, but <laughs> well, I mean, that's, pro- that's, <laughs> no, probably, that's probably more the brotherly aspect there. I think <laughs> if we're going to share proverbs, one of my favorites is, and I can't remember the exact proverb, but it's the one where it says, uh, "Do you see the man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that's in twenty-six. Yeah, it sounds about right. Twelve, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing, like, if we end up getting really... Another thing that I sometimes think that we get wrapped up in is we get enamored of our own intellect or moral superiority or whatever more than we love Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we love the stand more than the Savior, and if, if that happens, we are going to end up separating each, yeah, from each other, and we're going to end up, uh, well, essentially slandering brothers and sisters in Christ who just happen to disagree on an, an, on an interpretation as they try to be faithful to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. So as as pastors now, as people involved in ministry, um, how do we example this well for our congregations? Because again, like things go top down, and you know if we're going to preach this, we got to live this out. So how are some ways as pastors or those involved in ministry that we can example to our congregations what it means to live out this type of unity? So, um, yeah, I think living it out is the main thing. People speak about others the way that they hear them spoken about. So if, if you get up there, uh, so I had, I had just some quotes, uh, from Ligon Duncan. And here's what he says about... You mean Ligon Duncan? Ligon Duncan, yeah, sorry. So Humility, brother, humility. Sorry, he's my brother, I can tease him. I don't know if, I don't know if he would hold the, these same positions today, but he wrote in the first edition of Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, Pagan ideas underlie evangelical egalitarianism, and egalitarianism must always lead, all, must always lead to an eventual denial of the gospel. So it's like if you have, like if you're painting with that broad of a brush, and you're that's how you're speaking about other people. How are people who are listening to you reading your works? going to think about the people you're speaking about in those terms, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just, um, so, so very practically, one of the things I would caution against is painting with really broad brush strokes, Mm. right? It's certainly true that some people who hold egalitarianism may be influenced by pagan ideas. That's almost undoubtedly true. But is it true to say that every egalitarian is influenced by pagan? You know what I, you see what I'm saying? Like well, I mean, only in the same way that I can say absolutely every human in the Western world is influenced by paganism. Well, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure, yeah. Well, I mean, there's yeah. also examples of complementarianism that we would say is downright sinful. 
oh absolutely like patriarchy mm-hmm. in that right like yeah and and that's the difficulty right it, it's and i i think if i'm hearing you right nathan it, it's it's as people in positions of influence because as pastors as people in ministry you you have that position it's to be really extra cautious and wise about how you communicate with people because you're going to have influence intentionally or not intentionally. Um, So why not be intentional and have a positive influence? Because when, and this is Adam and I were chatting about this earlier, but based on something we saw on Facebook, but the, 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 the difficulty with some of these, you know, especially with like internet articles and videos and headlines and things like that is that, they're kind of designed to be a bit shocking sometimes and, and almost like the clickbait or whatever. But by posting this stuff, it, you almost sow that seed of disunity already. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, I think in a lot of times not helpful. Well, um, I mean, this is kind of one of the reasons why I worry sometimes about the massive st- stages that some of our Christian leaders end up on. Cause they end up, cause I think there's a point where you get so large a stage that no matter what you say, it somehow is going to model Christ poorly mm-hmm. because you can't actually proviso it adequately enough. I mean, there are certain things that I've probably said in this podcast that if you take it out of context and put it in a different context, I'm going to disagree with what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, yeah. So, I, I mean, one of that, that it would be one of the things. But, I, again, there's a ton of charity that needs to be had. Like, I mean... One of the things that I really, really enjoy about some of my favorite preachers is that they'll often give me the best arguments that disagree with them. I think that's another way of modeling it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether or not you actually agree with that that argument, like one of the one of the things I always learned in uh, in you know when I was a, when I did Christian education, it wasn't so much in the in regular academia, but. In Christian academia, one of the things that I really respected about a lot of the people I was talking to is that they felt that biblical charity requires that I deal with the strongest arguments of people who disagree with me. Like, I need to be able to, so far as so far as it is possible, be able to reproduce their argument at a level that they would agree with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's, that's not something you see common today. No. I mean, if we just take the time, if we model things, like, for one, I mean, doing the podcast together, I mean, that's that's, that's one thing, um, and not, you know, bashing each other, um, but spending time, like, with other congr- or pastors in the area. I mean, no, I know, Nathan, you're in a, in a rural context. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get that, believe me. Um, but, I mean, you know, here we've got other pastors that we've had in the offices before we invited to the church building, and just modeling, though, know, that we have different positions on these secondary or third, you know, third level issues. Tertiary. Tertiary. There you go. There you go. Oh, there's the big words. There you go. There's your word for today. Um. <laughs> I don't know if that's really that big of a word, but listen. <laughs> Tertiary issues, um, but we can we can we can still you know, do ministry together. There's still the levels of partnership that we can come to and say, yeah, we can work together on this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And even when we can't work together, to be able to say to still be charitable about the things that we can't work together on, mm-hmm. like uh, it would be very difficult for me to work in tandem with I don't know uh, a full-on Pentecostal church in specifically the uh, uh, d- desiring that people speak in tongues, because I don't think that that is in fact the first example of the of the Holy Spirit, but. 
that doesn't mean that when you know they're counseling their people to do that, that I have to say, well, they're horrible her- heretical people and they're based in paganism and can't possibly figure out anything, but recognize that they are in fact believers who just disagree on a point. Yeah, I mean, you can think someone's in error without saying they're a heretic or like you know they're being blasphemous. Or now, don't get me wrong, there are some people who are. I could go off on a yeah. really big tangent yeah. right now because if there's one thing that I really hate, it's the misuse of the word heresy. Because like a heretic yeah. is yeah. someone who actually believes mm-hmm. something, believes and teaches something that would damn somebody to hell if they believed it. Right. Yep. It's thrown around so. Anyways, we, we can do a podcast about that just, another time. Just Sorry. one, because I'm, I'm sure you want to jump on <laughs> the next thing. But one other thing too that I'll just emphasize about how Steve's like pastors and ministers can you know get this out the. the you know, influence people in a positive way, disciple them. I think one thing too, is that I don't think we say stuff like this enough, but what Nathan brought up earlier about how unity is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's also upholding the beauty of what unity can look like. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and making people see that the beauty of Christ, the beauty of being together, the beauty of being united, because I think so often in the church, we, we, we've taught things like, you know, just, you shouldn't like in negatives, like don't do this cause it's bad. Don't but, drink, don't dance, don't smoke. Don't. Yeah. Or, don't chew, or whatever, don't but then, do. you know, or <laughs> don't have sex before marriage or whatever. And of course, but it's like, because that's wrong. But instead, like, I think we sometimes fail to hold up the beauty of, you know, what marital relationship looks like mm. when it's done right and things like that. So I think just holding up the, the beauty of unity and the beauty of, um, you know, being able to disagree but still be mainly united in Christ. And I think that's just a beautiful thing to hold up um, and show people. There's also an example it says for the world, right? Like we're, we're kind of cluing up here, but imagine, again, that the world would know us, you know, by our love for each other. John 13. <laughs> imagine if that was what the world saw. That's in the book, right? Yeah, <laughs> someone wrote that. Uh, <laughs> I won't take credit for that one. But imagine if we could see that type of unity where we actually strive again we were eager to maintain it um despite our differences despite things that are not damnable um and that we strive to come together for the kingdom for god's glory as a body i mean again there's nothing worse when you know on your own body your arm is lame or you're yeah, Charlie Horse, something doesn't work right, like it's dragging mm-hmm. you behind there's nothing worse than that but when we start to work together we come together for you know, the greater, not the greater good, but for God, uh, it, it, that's got to speak volumes to the world. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me put it this way. There's a question, does the gospel have the power to bring unity and, and reconcile diverse groups of people, or does it not? Mm-hmm. It does. The answer to that question is yes, of course, we would say, but the world will only see that insofar as we live it out. Amen. And I think that's that's the point of, well, that's one of the reasons why we need to do this well. Mm-hmm. There's your mic drop moment. There's the, there's the air horns. Did you hear that, Nate? You didn't hear that? You didn't hear it. Yeah. If you listen no. to this, there, there will be air horns right at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, that was a great conversation. We're coming up on the half hour mark. Um, but uh, I mean, we can keep going on. But Nathan, uh, thanks so much for joining us and having that conversation with us. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, here's another proof for anyone listening. Like, I mean, I only just met Nathan. I mean, I, I've never met him in person, but I already have more in common with him than just a regular Joe on the street because of what we believe. 
right? Yeah. We already have far more in common than anyone I can meet who might like the same things because we have that shared faith in Christ. Like that's. I'm glad you didn't say it was because both your wives are named Sabrina. I mean, there's that too. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, take care, Nathan. And uh, for those listening, I hope you enjoyed this and we'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mile1mission.com. That's it.